1983, a crack baby sleeve was conceived on speed and sentenced to life for crimes he didn't commit. He promptly escaped from the womb in 1984 into the sorry underground. Today, still not wanted by the government, he survives as a DJ of fortune. If you're an unsigned artist, if you love music, maybe you should listen to The Nexus Team. and have an erection at the same time, then I've let my audience down. Ladies and gentlemen, please 
are listening into Nexus Radio for all you music lovers out there. We are here. We are here. We. 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 Not just just me. She and me. Hello. Hi. You, you, what, what, is that the best you can do? Yeah. yeah. I was just taking a picture of one of my nostrils. Oh, like you're a, like weird nostril girl. Yeah. Men in black yeah. <laughs> not not to not to an extreme of her no, but it's one is like actually you. slightly bigger than the other. Your, your, one of yours is bigger. Yeah, is it? The left one. The left one. That's probably because I picked that one more than the right one. Though, uh, no, no one... the, you're right, my left. I know. I don't know. Right finger up the right nostril? Yeah, yeah, that probably sounds about right. <laughs> Both <laughs> your fingers up your nose, fair enough. Uh, tonight, tonight is Comic Relief, and it is also Friday the 13th. So, um, with, with Friday the 13th, uh, obviously it means that we need to play something vaguely scary. To, to me, that means... Um, Yes, ooing noises, Spice Girls, man, that would scare all of our listeners away. You're right, you're right. Okay. How about Hanson? <laughs> 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 but. <laughs> well. They became serious artists. <laughs> <laughs> they all cut their hair and then their music became okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. And Pink's a serious artist too, right? Who's Pink? The one with pink hair who calls herself Pink. She no, no, she changes it all the time. And she still calls herself pink. And guess what? I'm still a rock star. And it's like, a rock star? In, in whose definition of rock star are you a rock star? You know? So what? I don't care. But uh, yeah, it's Comic Relief, which if you don't know, it's one of those uh, events, uh, I think in the UK, if not worldwide, uh, but probably not worldwide, not worldwide, I think it's the UK, where where they raise money by doing funny things, quite often with Lenny Henry. Um, and other comedians. Yeah, but mainly Lenny There's Henry. There's lots of nudity <laughs> after nine o'clock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, Although I believe they give money to UNICEF, who give money to the IRS. Cool. That's good. That's good. We need more bombings. There's too many people in England. They blew that pub up. They're, yeah, good on them. Good on them. It's quite nice now. Yeah. <laughs> After they blew up. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, as we're, we're in the spirit of raising money for those less fortunate, uh, you can send any money you want to us by PayPal to wizardsleeve at nexusradio.co.uk and uh, it all goes straight in our pockets. Uh, other than that, yes, as I said, Fright Night, so we're gonna we're gonna have to be a bit scary. And what what kind of music scary? Well, metal with the screams and the oh and all no. oh, my pain. It's not scary. It's no. just crap. <laughs> uh, other than that, obviously, it's not any facing requests? me. Is it facing me? Yes, it is facing you. It wasn't facing. Well, it, it was the general picking up the well, aroma of the room. Okay, well, it, it's facing you now. Now, now we sound very, I very pan. Spit on it. No, that's. Thank you very much to to Jake. You know, actually, you got to check this out. You put you put your hand behind it, right, and then put, do a no, go onto it. Now, now put your hand there and go. No, there. <laughs> <laughs> you see the difference? I mean, you go and you barely feel any air come through, and then. And there's so much that just pops up as absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much, Jake. Um... Yeah, you see, you see, I told you, you know, we got some awesome listeners. Uh, and, and, no, they're not. Look, they like pink. <laughs> I'll, I'll oh, no, honest. he likes the video. 
there was a couple of songs I liked of hers. I'll be honest, you know, I don't, I don't actually. I couldn't even. I can't even remember what she did before. Uh, she was, she started off all like R and B ish, yeah. and then she started going a bit sort of rocky and gothy, and then she went sort of punk, and now she's doing pop. sort of pop punk pop rock. I just remember crap. a video with her pretending to be the Simpson girl. What's her name? <laughs> Lisa. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 Jessica Simpson like oh, right. pretending to be Jessica Simpson and washing a car going oh look I'm washing a car really badly <laughs> I don't know what that video is at all I swear she's talking about I don't know she's insulting blonde bimbo type girls oh, fair enough fair play to her uh, anyway uh, do you have any specific things that you'd like to listen to tonight because obviously we're going to have a big barrel of comedy and a, a big barrel. barrel of metal and anything scary we can... That's not really very big, though, a uh, barrel. Well, uh, my dog Dave's a big barrel. He is so. an ugly barrel. Well, he's not ugly, he's but adorable. Barrels, barrels and you see generally, you could only just about fit me in a barrel. I don't know, I reckon That's I could fit not, in a barrel. Oh yeah, that bigger barrel. <laughs> <laughs> if we got an even bigger barrel, we could fit both of us in. Yeah. But your yeah, average barrel... I don't well, think... how do you how do you discern an average well, barrel? I'm thinking pirate ship barrel. Pirate ship barrel. Because there's always barrels. I was Jim Hawkins ship. in a play when I, I was younger, and I had to hide in a barrel. Re- exactly. Yeah. Pirate. But it was only half a barrel because it was a prop barrel, barrels. and it was up against these steps, and it was really hard to get in and out of it without knocking the barrel over. We're going a bit off track here. <laughs> <laughs> but there are always barrels when there are pirates. There are, usually full of rum or gunpowder. That's what we keep in barrels. But anyway, those those barrels are never very big. Well, it depends if they're little barrels or big ones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, I think that it shouldn't be a barrel. Maybe a fridge of comedy. A fridge of comedy, but isn't that smaller than a barrel? No. Unless it's one of those giant American fridges. Unless you stack the funniness sideways so you can fit more in. Like an American fridge freezer. Yeah. A chest freezer. Ooh, a chest freezer of metal and a chest freezer of comedy. Sounds good. Sounds good. Is there anything else you want to listen to tonight, though? Can we not have so much of the metal? Well, I don't know. I mean, obviously we're going to take everybody's requests. Uh, but but it's all good, Ben. All three of them. <laughs> Hi! Um, yeah, guys, uh, anyone who's not in the chat room right now, come join us at nexusradio.co.uk and press chat. You do have to have a forum account to get in. Uh, and if anyone wants to press request, well, check out the new request page. I have updated it. It looks a bit better now. Um, hopefully a lot easier for you to understand. And uh, I'm boring her, so here comes Apartment 26 with Backwards.
to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. Next, we've had a request from Dave. It's Nigel Potter with a grave new world, followed by Paradise Lost and Forever Failure. You're currently listening to Nexus Radio. It's Friday the 13th and comedy re- comic relief. I don't know if that was supposed to be a joke or not, but we're here having a laugh and listening to metal.
You don't like clowns? No, that song scares me. It scares you? To the core. Well, there you go. See, I told you metal was horrifying, and it is Friday the 13th. 
you know, movies like It, Send in the Clowns, especially if they're all like It. But wasn't like it Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah. Well, that was it, wasn't it? No, I wasn't talking about know. Cousin It. You wouldn't watch it with me. What? You said it was lame. What, It? No, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Well, isn't that It? No, it's a movie called Killer Clowns from Outer Space and they had guns and they shot you with popcorn and it stuck <laughs> on your clothes. <laughs> and then when you got home, the popcorn turned into these little creatures that eat you. That sounds pretty scary. It was. When did I ever deny watching that? When we were somewhere. Thanks, thanks. I don't remember, you just did. Oh, I resent okay. you. You know what, I'd have watched it if they did a Mystery Science Theatre uh, version oh. of that. I miss that programme. We can it, make our own. Yeah, I think we'd do better than them. And we could you have, watch it with me? What, Mystery Science Theatre? No, the clown one. Well, I don't know about that, I'm not going to... I might pee myself. Well, I'll watch it then. I, I if feel you're a little pee, bunged up. You feel a little bunged up? Yeah, well, I you, sound a bit bunged up. No, you don't. You don't sound perfectly normal for you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, yeah. Well, uh, what can I do to get you a little bit more interested and riled up? There's a hole in the bag. You can't kill yourself. Just <laughs> <laughs> the sound of the bag. <laughs> now, there you have it. Here first on Nexus Radio, the sound of a bag. We be... might not have believed I had a bag on my head. Uh, oh, OK. <laughs> in fact, that could be a good name for a, ba- a, ba- band. a band. What, bag on your head? No, sound of a bag. <laughs> <laughs> it, could, it would go well with that thing in American Beauty where... Boy is always <laughs> videoing the, the bag. bag. Yeah, it's so beautiful, man. It it went up and around and, and back down again. So I did loop the loop. Bag did the loop the loop, and you liked it. Wow. Dave believes. Dave believes. What do you believe, Dave? I don't know. Oh, he believes in your bag. <laughs> look, look, look. We is can. It a new we, we can ban. Deity, deity. Look, we can pan the bag. Deity? Yeah. Deity. Look at that panning bag. Panning. Panning bag. What about that panning bag? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so would you like a little bit of comedy? Yes, please. Yeah? Okay. Well, uh, how about how about we, we start off the comedy with uh, a little bit of religion? No. Mm, she's no. She's not impressed. She's not no, impressed. I know where you're going. You know where I'm going. Only because I can see the playlist. <laughs> Funny that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have uh, some Bill Hicks with Dinosaurs in the Bible, followed by Bob Rivers with What If God Smoked Cannabis? And George Carlin's There Is No God. You're listening to Nexus Radio on Friday the 13th and Comic Ooh. Relief. Well, the great thing about... <laughs> about uh, Bush being gone, it ends 12 years of fundamentalist Christians in the fucking White House. Thank you, God. Finally, my prayer got through. I was on hold with that prayer for about eight years with fucking Reagan. God, help us. God, are you there? Surely this is a really bad fucking joke, God. This... Actor, idiot, fucking illiterate, bozo looking fuck, can't be the president of the country, can he? God, not really. Reach your hands down from the clouds and pinch my butt. Make sure I'm not dreaming! Finally, my prayer got through. 
Did y'all know that? You want to hear something absolutely this is fascinating to me? This is absolutely fascinating. Fundamentalist Christians believe the world is 12,000 years old. Is that? Let's just think about that. Okay. Isn't that great? And I ask them, how do you think that? Why do you think the world's 12,000 years old? They go, well, we added up all the people born from Adam and Eve, added up their ages, roughly 12,000 years. Well, how scientific. Boom, I can't fucking argue with that kind of, you know, research. You think the world's 12,000 years old? That's right. Okay, can I ask you a question? Sure. It's a one-word question. Fine. Dinosaur. I mean, if the world's 12,000 years old and the Bible covers it, why didn't someone bring up fucking dinosaurs? You'd think someone would have brought that up somewhere in the goddamn book. And Jesus and the disciples walked down the path towards Nazareth. But oh, the trail was blocked by a giant brontosaurus with a splinter in his paw. And the disciples did run a screaming, what a big fucking lizard lord. I'm sure gonna mention this in my book, said Luke. Well, I'm sure gonna mention it in my book, said Matthew. I'm not sure what I saw, said Thomas. <laughs> Timothy nudged him. It was a big fucking lizard, Thomas. <laughs> but Jesus was unafraid. And he took the splinter from the brontosaurus paw. And the brontosaurus became his friend. And Jesus sent him to Scotland, where he lived in a lock, oh, so many years. Attracting the fat American families with their fat fucking dollars to look for the Loch Ness Monster. And oh, the Scots did praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 12,000 years old. I asked this guy, I said, come on, man, dinosaur fossils, what's the deal? He goes, God put those here to test our faith. <laughs> I think God put you here to test my faith, dude. I think I figured this out. Does it, that's what this guy said. Does that bother anyone here? The idea that God might be fucking with our heads? Anyone have trouble sleeping restfully with that thought in their head? God's running around burying fossils. <laughs> We'll see who believes in me now. <laughs> I'm a prankster god. I am killing me. <laughs> you know, you die, you go to St. Peter. Did you believe in dinosaurs? Well, yeah, there's fossils everywhere. <laughs> what are you, an idiot? God was fucking with you. Giant flying lizard, you moron. That's one of God's easiest jokes. It seems so plausible. for the lake of fire. You ever notice how people who believe in creationism look really unevolved? Eyes real close together, big furry hands and feet. I'll believe God created me in one day. Yeah, it looks like he rushed it. <laughs> Thank you.
Now we have women priests. What do y'all think of that? Women priests. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fine, women priests. You know, so what? Now we got priests of both sexes I don't listen to. Fuck, I don't care. Exactly. Have one with three balls and eight titties. I don't fucking care, you know. Have a hermaphrodite one. I don't, I don't care. Have one with gills and a trunk. I might go to that service. I don't give a fuck, okay? While I appreciate your quaint traditions, superstitions, and, you know, I, on the other hand, am an evolved being who deals solely with the source of light which exists in all of us in our own minds. No middleman required. <laughs> but anyway, I appreciate your little games and shit, and you're putting on the tie and going to church. Da -da 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 -da. But you know, there's a living God who will talk directly fucking to you! Something not through the pages of the Bible that forgot to mention dinosaurs. I want you to know something. This is sincere. I want you to know, when it comes to believing in God, I really tried. I really, really tried. I tried to believe that there is a God who created each of us in his own image and likeness, loves us very much, and keeps a close eye on things. 
I really tried to believe that, but I got to tell you, the longer you live, the more you look around, the more you realize something is fucked up. <laughs> something is wrong here. War, disease, death, destruction, hunger, filth, poverty, torture, crime, corruption, and the ice capades. <laughs> something is definitely wrong. This is not good work. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Results like these do not belong on the resume of a supreme being. This is the kind of shit you'd expect from an office temp with a bad attitude. <laughs> and just between you and me, in any decently run universe, this guy would have been out on his all-powerful ass a long time ago. <laughs> and by the way, I say this guy because I firmly believe, looking at these results, that if there is a God, it has to be a man. No woman could or would ever fuck things up like this. So, so, <laughs> if... If, if there is a God, if there is, I think most reasonable people might agree that he's at least incompetent and maybe, just maybe, doesn't give a shit. Doesn't give a shit, which I admire in a person and which would explain a lot of these bad results. So rather than be just another one of these mindless religious robots blindly believing that all of this is in the hands of some spooky incompetent father figure who doesn't give a shit, I decided to look around for something else to worship. Something I could really count on. And immediately, I thought of the sun. Happened like that. Overnight, I became a sun worshiper. Well, not overnight, you can't see the sun at night. But first thing the next morning... I became a sun worshiper. Several reasons. First of all, I can see the sun. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Unlike some other gods I could mention, I can actually see the sun. I'm big on that. If I can see something, I don't know, kind of helps the credibility along, you know? So every day I can see the sun as it gives me everything I need. Heat, light, food, flowers in the park, reflections on the lake. An occasional skin cancer, but hey, at least there are no crucifixions and we're not setting people on fire simply because they don't agree with us. Sun worship is fairly simple. There's no mystery, no miracles, no pageantry, no one asks for money, there are no songs to learn, and we don't have a special building where we all gather once a week to compare clothing. And the best thing, the best thing about the sun, it never tells me I'm unworthy. Doesn't tell me I'm a bad person who needs to be saved. Hadn't said an unkind word. Treats me fine. So, I worship the sun. But, I don't pray to the sun. Know why? I wouldn't presume on our friendship. It's not polite. I've often thought people treat God rather rudely, don't you? Trillions and trillions of prayers every day, asking and pleading and begging for favors. Do this, give me that, I need a new car, I want a better job. And most of this praying takes place on Sunday, his day off. It's not nice, and it's no way to treat a friend. But people do pray, and they pray for a lot of different things. You know, your sister needs an operation on her crotch. Your brother was arrested for defecating in a mall. But most of all, you'd really like to fuck that hot little redhead down at the convenience store. You know, the one with the eye patch and the club foot, huh? Can you pray for that? I think you'd have to. And I say, fine, pray for anything you want. Pray for anything. But what about the divine plan? 
Remember that? The divine plan. Long time ago, God made a divine plan. Gave it a lot of thought, decided it was a good plan, put it into practice. And for billions and billions of years, the divine plan has been doing just fine. Now you come along and pray for something. Well, suppose the thing you want isn't in God's divine plan. What do you want him to do? Change his plan? Just for you? Doesn't it seem a little arrogant? It's a divine plan. What's the use of being God if every rundown schmuck with a $2 prayer book can come along and fuck up your plan? <laughs> and here's something else, another problem you might have. Suppose your prayers aren't answered. What do you say? Well, it's God's will. Thy will be done. Fine. But if it's God's will and he's going to do what he wants to anyway, why the fuck bother praying in the first place? <laughs> Seems like a big waste of time to me. Couldn't you just skip the praying part and go right to his will? It's all very confusing. So to get around a lot of this, I decided to worship the sun. But as I said, I don't pray to the sun. You know who I pray to? Joe Pesci. <laughs> Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Two reasons. First of all, I think he's a good actor, okay? To me, that counts. Second, he looks like a guy who can get things done. Joe Pesci doesn't fuck around. Doesn't fuck around. In fact, in fact, Joe Pesci came through on a couple of things that God was having trouble with. For years, I asked God to do something about my noisy neighbor with the barking dog. Joe Pesci straightened that cocksucker out with one visit. It's amazing what you can accomplish with a simple baseball bat. So I've been praying to Joe for about a year now. And I noticed something. I noticed that all the prayers I used to offer to God and all the prayers I now offer to Joe Pesci are being answered at about the same 50% rate. Half the time I get what I want, half the time I don't. Same as God, 50-50. Same as the four-leaf clover, the horseshoe, the rabbit's foot, and the wishing well. Same as the mojo man. Same as the voodoo lady who tells you your fortune by squeezing the goat's testicles. It's all the same, 50-50. So just pick your superstition, sit back, make a wish, and enjoy yourself. And for those of you who look to the Bible for its literary qualities and moral lessons, I've got a couple of other stories I might like to recommend for you. You might enjoy The Three Little Pigs. That's a good one. has a nice, happy ending. Then there's Little Red Riding Hood, although it does have that one X-rated part where the big bad wolf actually eats the grandmother, which I didn't care for, by the way. And finally, I've always drawn a great deal of moral comfort from Humpty Dumpty. The part I like the best, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. That's because there is no Humpty Dumpty and there is no God. None, not one, never was no God. In fact, I'm going to put it this way. If there is a God, if there is a God, may he strike this audience dead. <laughs> See, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Everybody's okay. All right? Tell you what. Tell you what. I'll raise the stakes. I'll raise the stakes a little bit. If there is a God, may he strike me dead. See? Nothing happened. Oh, wait. Got a little cramp in my leg. And my balls hurt. Plus, I'm blind. I'm blind. Oh, now I'm okay again. Must have been Joe Pesci, huh? God bless Joe Pesci. Thank you all very much. Joe bless you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Have fun.
Good. Thank you very much. <laughs> See, oh, is, has that cheered you up a little bit? Huh? Has that cheered you up a little bit? A little bit of comedy? Huh? You haven't been paying attention to it, have you? No. You've been live, living in your own little world of Zambuka hiding. Yep. 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 Thank you. Did you break the bottle again? I didn't break the bottle. Look, look. Look, look, see? There's nothing on. Can you break it? Uh, it's fine. No one broke it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Nigel's just entered the chat room. How are you doing, Nigel? Uh, hope he's okay. In fact... Niggle. Uh, niggle. Yeah, that's what we used to call uh, Susanna's dad, Niggle. He, uh, he didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, was a, he was a crazy one. You know, have you ever seen a picture of him? You have. Uh, this guy has got, got slightly wonky eyes, shall we say. Uh, it looks the, like one that decided to migrate. <laughs> the funny thing is, like when he's completely sober, which isn't often, but when he's completely sober, they're almost level. You know, one's just a little bit lower than the other. But with every pint he drinks, it just migrates lower and lower and lower down his face until it's under his mouth. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, if if any of you uh, ever get to see that, then uh, I'm sure you'll be shocked for the rest of your lives. Um, but on the subject of Nigel, um, Brian's just hooked me up with a song that he's done with Nigel. It's a little collab. I'm cold. You're cold? Well, what's that got to do with anything? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it yeah. just came over all cold. Oh, okay. Well, have, a, have, a, have a another sudden, shot and you'll feel better. There's a sudden gust of cold. No, there's not a sudden gust of cold. <laughs> You're just hungry. A burst of cold. Here, put my shoes on for a little bit. It'll warm you up because I've got warm what? feet. On your feet. <laughs> oh, they're warm. They are warm. I'm boiling hot. I'm always hot. There you go. Debatable. Yeah, well, mornings. Clink. Maybe not. Clink. Oh, I've got to do one too. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll finish announcing these tunes and then I'll, I'll join you. Because uh, we've got that new one from Brian and Nigel, which is Spitfire. Then uh, Sly has sent over a track uh, that he's mastered by Ian Kazilowski. <coughs> It's called Crazy. Um, <laughs> uh, I've, I've, got, I've, got, I've got a few tracks of his. I quite like him. Um, I haven't heard this new Ian. stuff, though. We just call him Ian. Yeah, Ian. Ian K. Kazanowski. I mean, what kind of name's that? Ink. Ink. Yeah, his name's Ink. <laughs> and then uh, we've also got something that Sly sent me uh, last week called uh, What Are You Looking For? Uh, and he was actually asking uh, when he sent this over, like, I was... Is I was, it me you're looking for? No. <laughs> uh, I, I was talking about some drum samples. Lionel? Lionel, Lionel Richie. <laughs> he might be. He might be looking for Lionel Richie. Um, yay! Uh, Henry's just entered as well. That's for E. Uh, nice to see you there, buddy. Um, so, yeah, he sent the track, What Are You Looking For? And he was asking if it's the sort of stuff I was sort of starting to work on again. Because uh, obviously I'm doing lots of atmospheric stuff uh, for for your mum, but your uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, there's also all the um, oh, what do you call it um, the the stuff of the game because uh, I was starting to work on some old tracks that I found and uh, none of the drum samples I don't have any of them anymore and in fact the old drum samples were were so crap I was I was asking if he knew of any banks and he was like well. Yeah, listen to this. Banks. Tell me, you know, sound yeah, banks, sound banks, um, and uh, he said, "Well, you know, let me know what you're looking for specifically." Uh, and I, I hadn't had a chance to actually. So I wasn't looking for Lionel. 
<laughs> who was he looking for? He was looking for God on YouTube. That's who he was looking for. It says up there. Uh, he didn't find him, but he found that comedian who was quite funny, apparently. But you could find Lionel on YouTube. Uh, yeah, you could probably find Lionel on YouTube. Oh, hang on, they've banned all music videos if you're in the UK. If you're in the UK, you can't watch music videos anymore. And now, do you know how I know that? Uh, because of Nigel. If it wasn't for Nigel... No, you know, I don't read the newspaper or anything like that. I find it too depressing. It's so, but, but if it wasn't for Nigel, I wouldn't know what was going on in the world. Um, other than what the sun tells me. Which isn't much. Cause, no, I don't. Well, no, only when I'm at work. And, Which is once a week. Yeah, well, no, it's more than that. Twice. <laughs> the sun's not out on the weekend. No, well, it is out the weekend. It's just crap. Uh, well, the good, boring stuff happens during the week. Obviously, obviously. At the weekend, everybody's too high to bother doing anything. So anyway, yes. Uh, so Brian and Nigel with Spitfire in Kozanowski with Crazy and Emotion with What Are You Looking For?
This radio is the shit, and anyone who doesn't like it can join me and fuck their mothers. Your dirty mind, the way you are. At first I was attracted, but now I'm not. All the silly games, and how you never changed, and now you're so estranged. Your cheap talk and low gratitude I gave up bending backwards just for you All the disrespect, what did you expect? I had enough of it Knew I'd be too much, so you didn't even touch Knew I'd be too much, and now you're out of luck You thought you'd save me, just made me crazy Cause you're so crazy you liar. Knew I'd be too much, so you didn't even touch. Knew I'd be too much, and now you're out of luck. You thought you'd save me, just made me crazy. Cause you're so crazy. You liar. Your secret texts, the way you freeze. When I pick up your phone and ask who is this please is The this way please? you flirt and how I get hurt You're as low as dirt Your excuses and pathetic lies I can see right through you, it's in your eyes Threw our love away, wasted every day It's called foul play Knew I'd be too much, so you didn't even touch Knew I'd be too much, and now you're out of luck You thought you'd save me, just made me crazy Cause you're so crazy, you liar Knew I'd be too much, so 
Son of a bastard. Knew I'd be too much, so you didn't even touch. Knew I'd be too much, and now you're out of luck. You thought you'd save me, just made me crazy. Cause you're so crazy, you liar. Knew I'd be too much, so you didn't even touch. Knew I'd be too much, and now you're out of luck. You thought you'd save me.
That was uh, a few awesome tracks there. Love hearing new work from all you guys out there. Um, <clears throat> I just asked in the chat room if they minded if I played a couple of my own uh, works in progress at the moment. Um, first one is Atmosphere 2009. Um, if you knew me on the original uh, Mixposure, you would know this track possibly. Uh, it was one I was working on for the game. Um, and... Uh, I, 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 the drums on it were absolutely terrible. Uh, listening back to the original track, it's like, I really like the idea, but it was just poorly produced. Um, I uh, I know a lot more about production now, but my production is still pretty poo. Uh, I, I find it a lot easier telling people what's wrong with their track and how to fix it than actually fixing it myself. Uh, I suppose I'm sort of hypocritical, but then... I also feel that a lot of my tracks aren't worthy of the time, but the time I've actually got the track out and written it and I go, you know what, I can't be bothered to tighten this track up, because... But, yeah, this is uh, one of the ones I've been working on, um, and 
I, uh, I, I didn't think I was ever going to be able to work on it again, but I found loads of samples of it on my on an old hard drive that I plugged in just to see what was on it, and I was so happy. And in fact, there's uh, a lot of old tracks that I've been dying to do again on there, so I might be remaking a lot of old tracks. Uh, this isn't fully produced as of yet, because um, I'm still not happy with the drums, but it's got new drum samples and uh, slightly edited other bits here and there. The other one is something someone sent me over uh, called Shifting Sands. Um, and uh, they asked me to do some drums for it. Uh, they didn't give me any outline, but uh, I did what I could with what I had. And I didn't really have anything that I felt fitted the piece. It was just one of those things where it was like... I know what patterns I want to do, but the sounds and the timber and everything about the drums just isn't quite right. But that one's called Shifting Sands. Uh, so they're, they're loosely works in progress. Uh, Atmosphere 2009 and Shifting Sands. Thank you. 
Uh, for some reason, the Shifting Sands thing isn't playing properly. Uh, <laughs> it's just played <laughs> a beat, and that's it. <laughs> I'll have to uh, export another one and play it to you next week. <laughs> That last track was Slipknot with Wait and Bleed. This is Corn Dead Bodies Everywhere, followed by Static X, Blair for Days.
this irresistible creature who has an insatiable love for the dead. There we go. There's Jake and uh, Henry joining us here in, on the uh, old Skypey. How are you doing, guys? No, it's not coming through. Uh, there's uh, 
obviously a problem with the line. <laughs> uh, one of those things with internet calls, then, I guess. Uh, you can't always uh, rely on that. Um, yeah, it's all coming through, all scrambled. So, never mind. Uh, we'll have to say goodbye to uh, the call. I was hoping to get a few people uh, just having a general bit of chitter-chatter um, going, because I, I was just wondering uh, what you guys, what your guys' opinion was of the bloody daylight savings. Because, to me, it pisses me off to no end. Uh, the fact that uh, once a year we gain an hour and then we lose an hour. You know, f- forward, back, forward, back. What do we gain out of it? Absolutely nothing what we gain an hour uh, some of the time. But, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. Um, it's it's just, oh, it just frustrates me. You know, the fact that I actually lose sleep uh, at some point in the year. It's all a load of bollocks. I mean, fair enough, I can understand uh, back in the dark ages when we didn't have things like electricity and uh, central heating and farmers had to get up and make the most of their day. Yeah, I can I can understand that. But in the age, the electronic age that we live in, is there any real need for it at all? Uh, no. I do not believe that there is at all. Um... So, uh, yeah, my, my thought is, if everybody's so dedicated on this, why don't we just change the clocks? Hold hold yourself down, strap yourselves in. Change all the clocks around the world by half an hour. So we're smack bang in the middle of both of them. Think about it, think about it. Halfway between the two. Halfway between the two. So that, 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 that we're not gaining or losing any time ever. The most stupid thing about this is the fact that the clocks change at different points around the world. At different points around the world. You know? Uh, it, they changed in America on the 8th of March. They don't change in England and Europe uh, until the 29th of March. So I had people tuning into the show an hour early today. And I bet, you know, you know, some of them didn't come back. Like, what the fuck? There's no live DJ. He must have forgotten to come and learn. Uh, you know, I, and it's, it's a trouble, trouble we've had with other shows. I mean, we, we do weekly meetings. And we do weekly meetings with the DJs just to discuss how things are going, try new things. And, uh, you, you know, for like, we, we, uh, we had Pi uh, and Maddie going, guys, why aren't you starting? Why aren't you going to start the meeting? Come on, guys, join the meeting. We're doing the meeting now. And, and we had uh, Christine and me going, what? What are you guys talking about? We're, we're chilling out. What? The, the meeting's not for another half hour. And so the meeting starts uh, when Pi Show started, and it was just like, oh my god! So yeah, it's it's stupid, it's confusing, it fucks everybody up, um, and uh, let's let's just stop, stop the bloody stupid time changes. Uh, let's stop daylight savings time. Let's just. You know what, we we should see how many people we can get involved in this. Start some sort of worldwide petition somewhere and see how many people we can actually get involved in this. Because uh, it's just something that that I, I don't get why we still do. As I said, we've got electricity, we've got lights. You know, if, if, it, if it's a bit colder outside because it's always oh, a little bit earlier. Oh no, oh no, we've got coats. 
We've got coats, you know, where we, we cut animals up and use their skins for fur, and we make synthetic uh, materials and anything like that. It's just... Oh! But um, anyway, speaking of cutting things up and using their fur uh, to keep you warm, uh, it's time for uh, a song about an Eskimo. A gay one by Corky and the Juice Pigs. I'm the only gay Eskimo. <laughs> I'm the only one I know I'm the only gay Eskimo In my tribe I go out seal hunting with my best friend Tarka But all I want to do is get into his parka I'm the only gay Eskimo In my tribe Well... Me and Nuckfluck Chuckbuck, we both like blubber. But me, I've got this crazy fetish for robber. I'm the only gay Eskimo in my tribe. I make a wish on the northern lights that I could find a decent pair of whale skin tights. I'm the only gay Eskimo in my tribe. And the seals, they sing now. Cold winter nights are taking their toll. I even get excited when I see the North Pole. See the North Pole. I'm the only gay Eskimo. Only gay Eskimo. I'm the only one I know. I'm the only one I know. I'm the only gay Eskimo in my tribe. I like the proclaimers would sing it. I'm the only gay Eskimo. I'm the only gay Eskimo. <laughs> like Van Morrison. Hey, only gay Eskimo. I ain't seen it coming on the street. I'm a ton of this. Hey! Jesus Christ fits in there somehow as well. And the crack was good. Well, I'm the only gay aren't much fun They don't come when you call They don't chase squirrels at all Dead puppies aren't much fun My puppy died late last fall He's still rotting in the hall Dead puppies aren't much fun 
no, no, no. Mom says puppy's days are through. She's going to throw him in the stew. Dead puppies aren't much fun. Dead puppies, dead, 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 dead puppies. Dead puppies aren't much fun. Come on, everybody out there, sing along, okay?
make the lure There, the crevasse Fill it with your mighty Those last couple of tracks was Ogden Edsel with Dead Puppies and Tenacious D's Wonderboy And now it's time for a bit of Bulbous Bouffant by The Vestibles Hello Are you waiting for the bus? Uh, yes I am, actually Hmm I notice you're not wearing any galoshes. Uh, no, I'm not. It's uh, sunny out there. No need for galoshes. I'm wearing galoshes. <laughs> galoshes. Uh-huh. Did you read the paper today? Uh, no, I haven't had a Did chance. Did you read the thing about the Eskimos? No. Well, the article was saying that the Eskimos will eat the fat from the whale. Oh, yeah. Do you know what that's called? Uh, no, I don't. Blubber. Ah, right. Blubber. Yeah, blubber. That's what it's called. Mm -hmm. Blubber. Right. The Eskimos eat the blubber. Uh Uh-huh. And the blubber will come from different kinds of whales, you know? Oh, yeah. Sometimes it will come from... A beluga whale! Uh-huh. Beluga! Right, yeah. <laughs> they don't wear galoshes. Who, the, the whales? No! The Eskimos! Oh, no, that's right, they don't. They wear mucklucks! Uh-huh. Mucklucks! That's right, mucklucks. Mucklucks! Yeah, mucklucks. <laughs> Say it again. Mucklucks. Say it louder. Mucklucks! <laughs> good, eh? Yeah, it is a good one. I didn't, <laughs> didn't want to say it, but I, I like say, it. Yeah. Say, say, galoshes. Galoshes. <laughs> Good, eh? Yeah, it's good. Galoshes. Galoshes. <laughs> Baluga. Baluga. <laughs> blubber, 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 blubber. Mucklock. Blubber. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry, um, I didn't mean to interrupt whatever it is you were doing there. Uh, no, um, it's okay. Okay, uh, I just wanted to know if this is where the bus stops. Uh, yeah, yeah they should be here any minute, actually. Oh, I see. Well, sorry to disturb you. That's okay, yeah, we were just... Uh... <laughs> Sir. Yes? Yeah. Look over there. Across the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm hmm. See that lady? Yes. What kind of hairstyle does she have? Uh, that looks like a bouffant. Yes, a bouffant. Yes, a bouffant. Uh, actually, I, I couldn't help uh, noticing that myself. It, it's sort of what you might call a, a bulbous bouffant. Yes, a bulbous bouffant. Bulbous? Bouffant. Bouffant. Blubber. Galoshes. <laughs> Mucklucks. Bulbous Bouffant. Mucklock, mucklock. Macadamia. Oh! Macadamia. Gazebo. Bulbous Bouffant. Macadamia. Gazebo. Bulbous Bouffant. Macadamia. Gazebo. Bulbous Bouffant. Macadamia. Gazebo. Bulbous Bouffant. Blubber. Macadamia. Blubber. Gazebo. Bulbous Bouffant. Plethora. Macadamia. Blubber. Gazebo. Bulbous Bouffant. Plethora. Macadamia. Bamboozles. 
Like when when everybody laughs, uh, the, the, when they when they actually finish laughing, they always have this uh, sort of <sighs> thing that comes off of them. And uh, one of my friends pointed that out to me once when I was uh, rather in, intoxicated in a substance which uh, may not have been exactly legal, but it was at some point. But it it might not be now. Uh, and uh, in fact, it was legal where we were. We were in uh, Amsterdam at the time, and we were we were fucking stoned as anything. And it got to the point where any any time anybody stopped laughing, everybody would just crack up laughing because we'd notice them going, oh, oh. and we found that we'd try and stop ourselves from doing that and just you know cut off our laugh. But then when we do that, we'd realise what we were doing, trying to cut off our laugh, and we'd end up laughing even more. And it's 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 oh, it messed with us completely. I spent I spent a year laughing at people stopping laughing, you know, and, uh, you know, everybody would laugh at a joke, and then people would stop, and then I'd start laughing, and you get everybody staring at you, and you just, that would increase it, because there's that slight embarrassment aspect, which makes you laugh even harder, and then people start laughing at you, you stop laughing, and you realise you've just gone, which makes you start laughing, but the time you're stopping to laugh again, you notice that everyone is going... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you just go on and on. Now, I noticed uh, tonight that I haven't been playing quite as uh, many unsigned artists as I usually play. Uh, I, I do apologise for that, but um, tonight's show, I, I I was just dedicating to the fact that I, I wanted to play uh, some metal and some comedy. But that's not to say there aren't some great metal acts out there. Um who are unsigned artists, and the next segment is all dedicated to uh, some uh, unsigned metal acts, uh, along with uh, some more comedy, because <laughs> we've got to get some more comedy in there. And, uh, yeah, folks, ladies and gentlemen, you can also get your requests in. You just go to nexusradio.co.uk, and what do you do? You click the button that says requests. Now, I've got a whole new request page up, uh, and I, I would love to know what you think. I think it's a lot more... Uh, easy for everyone to read uh, and understand. Uh, there's a lot less clicks 
to get to where you want. Uh, the, the way it's set up, you've got the simple header at the top. Uh, it's got, uh, on the left-hand side, it tells you which DJ is currently playing. Um, then it tells you which artist uh, and album's playing on the left-hand side. In the middle, it's got the recent requests. And on the right, it's got the top 10 requests of the year. Uh, this resets every 365 days. As we know, last year, Nigel Potter's Grave New World uh, won that. Currently, though, this year, it seems that... Uh, the, the the signed artists uh, are being requested more than unsigned artists. Last year, the top ten was all you know your unsigned independent artists, and this this year it's it's all the signed artists. I don't know. May, maybe that's a hint to say that you guys just aren't making good tunes anymore. I, I mean, think about that. <laughs> I think you should prove these people wrong. Send in some more tracks. And uh, let's get it on. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, there's, there's, I've, uh, it changes for every DJ, obviously. But I've personally got over six thousand tracks, and uh, I think about four thousand of them are from unsigned or independent artists. I've got all kinds of genres. All you have to do is just look through that playlist. If you want to do a little search. Uh, then uh, use the search box, but only type. Use. Imagine if you're talking to a complete idiot, you know that can't handle more than one syllable. So if you're looking for an RS Kane track, type Kane, C-A-I-N, for example. If you're looking for a Texas Jake track, try not to type Texas Jake. Type Jake or Texas. It, that's basically how it works. Uh, I do apologise for not being able to program. A more effective search function. If you can do any better, then please go right ahead. Uh, anyway, as I said, I wanted to play some uh, unsigned metal, and uh, we've got stuff from all sites. You know, SoundClick, Jamendo, Indie Music Works, and uh, yeah, here it is: Toxic Grind Machine with Cell Six Hundred, OVIF with Devast, and Necromancia with Action Reaction.
Coming up next are a couple of my uh, favourite unsigned metal tracks ever in the history of ever. It's Chronics with Heaven's Not Here, uh, which is more of a sort of grunge metal. Antares with Different Way and Pure Blind with The Fall.
by the way, this is the track. If you, if you haven't, if been listening previous weeks, where I swear the guy shouts Jeffrey. Come on. 
Radio. The future and the history of this great band laid out in front of you, and not to mention some of their finest works, which are going to also enter our normal rotation on the playlist for you to request as you see fit. Hey there, Mike. Why don't you say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself and the band? Well, uh, howdy, everyone, um, and howdy to Nexus Radio listeners everywhere, and a special hello to Wiz. Uh, this is Mike Foster speaking to you from my home in North Palm Beach, Florida, here in the United States, and uh, I'm better known on the internet as Mike Nav, and I am the founder and the leader of the band known as Avalanche on the internet these days, and uh, you know, uh, I guess before I go any further, the first thing I'd want to do is just... Uh, Thank Nexus Radio for the opportunity to share some time with you folks and to give you some background about the band and myself. And uh, I want to thank Wiz. And I want to send out a special thank you and a special hello to Nigel Potter for making me aware of this opportunity. And uh, having said all that, I think the first thing I really need to do is to say that, you know, even though I'm the one that's speaking to you folks here tonight uh you know avalanche is a band and uh as i've said earlier the band has been together for uh over 30 years now and uh you know the truth of the matter is that there are some other guys who won't be speaking to you tonight who are hugely important elements of the music that you hear when you listen to avalanche and uh you know, I want to make sure you get to know who they are and that they get the credit that is due to them and their kudos because, you know, they are just as much a part of Avalanche as I am. And uh, uh, I guess the first person I need to mention is uh, probably one of my best friends in life and uh, uh, the other guitarist in Avalanche, uh, one of my... Uh, uh, oldest friends and somebody I've been playing music with since we were teenagers and uh, you know his name is Mark Easton and uh, he and his brother Barry also have a, a band that's very well known on the internet known as the Easton Brothers Band and uh, you know we all grew up in a small town in Connecticut um, they're still there. I, I live in Florida now, but uh, we get together every year to, to do avalanche recording sessions. And, uh, you know, uh, as far as... Uh, I do apologize there, ladies and gentlemen. For some reason, the interview just skipped out and went on there. Uh, I will start it again. History of this great band laid out in front of you, and not to mention some of their finest works, which are going to also enter our normal rotation on the playlist for you to request as you see fit. Hey there, Mike. Why don't you say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself and the band? Well, uh, howdy, everyone, um, and howdy to Nexus Radio listeners everywhere, and a special hello to Wiz. Uh, this is Mike Foster speaking to you from my home in North Palm Beach, Florida, here in the United States, and uh, I'm better known on the internet as Mike Nav, 
and I am the founder and the leader of the band known as Avalanche on the internet these days. And, uh, you know, uh, I guess before I go any further, the first thing I'd want to do is just uh, thank Nexus Radio for the opportunity to share some time with you folks and to give you some background about the band and myself and uh, I want to thank Wiz and I want to send out a special thank you and a special hello to Nigel Potter for making me aware of this opportunity and uh, having said all that I think the first thing I really need to do is to say that you know even though I'm the one that's speaking to you folks here tonight uh you know, Avalanche is a band, and uh, as I've said earlier, the band has been together for uh, over 30 years now, and uh, you know, the truth of the matter is that there are some other guys who won't be speaking to you tonight who are hugely important elements of the music that you hear when you listen to Avalanche, and uh, you know, I want to make sure you get to know who they are and that they get the credit that is due to them and their kudos because, you know, they are just as much a part of Avalanche as I am. And uh, uh, I guess the first person I need to mention is uh, probably one of my best friends in life and uh, uh, the other guitarist in Avalanche, uh, one of my... Uh, uh, oldest friends and somebody I've been playing music with since we were teenagers and uh, you know his name is Mark Easton and uh, he and his brother Barry also have a, a band that's very well known on the internet known as the Easton Brothers Band and uh, you know we all grew up in a small town in Connecticut um, they're still there. I, I live in Florida now, but uh, we get together every year to, to do avalanche recording sessions. And, uh, you know, uh, as far as Mark goes, Mark is just an absolute genius on the guitar. He's an excellent songwriter, a great vocalist, and is uh, a huge part of what you hear when you listen to avalanche music because... You know, uh, although Mark and I play very differently, we complement each other extremely well. And, uh, you know, we think like one person as guitar players and uh, and as musicians. And what ends up happening is uh, we finish each other's musical sentences very often. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine Avalanche without Mark Easton or Barry. Um they have been in the group since the group was founded and have been along for the whole ride and uh well not for the entire ride there was there was a period of time there where uh you know we we split up and uh i carried the band on in a couple of other different incarnations but uh you know it was never the same without them and uh you know i'm so happy that uh we were able to uh, get back together and reform uh, about five years ago um because the music, when we get together in a room to play, the music is just pure magic. It's magical what happens in a room when we get together to play. Uh, well, we now know who you and your band are, and I totally agree with you on your family thing. I'll even extend that to say that Nexus is like my family, including the psychotic Uncle Matty. I truly believe family is what you make for yourself. They don't have to be related by blood, just spirit. It seems that you're really involved in the music biz. How long have you actually been making music for? You know, Wiz, I guess I started singing at about four years old. 
with my two brothers and my sister. Uh, my dad used to bring home 45s uh, to play on the stereo. Uh, I can remember Buddy, uh, Buddy Holly, and uh, Ricky Nelson, and the Silhouettes, and uh, you know, Buddy Knox, and uh, you know, just a whole bunch of really old 50s stuff that uh, he used to bring home on 45s, and we'd sit around the stereo and learn them, and then we'd perform them for our parents uh, after dinner or for their guests when they'd have company over, and uh, you know, it was always a lot of fun for us, but... You know, I guess I, uh, I started to actually play instrumental music at around six years old. I started taking formal drum lessons and formal drum training. And I took that for six years. And, uh, you know, I got to the point where I was actually a pretty darn good drummer by the time I was about 12 years old. But, uh, you know, uh, at about eight or nine, I can't remember exactly when, I started taking piano lessons because we had a piano in our house. And uh, I took that those piano lessons for about, uh, I would say, six months or so, maybe a little longer until I graduated from book one to book two, and that's when I found out that book two no longer had the little numbers next to the notes, the little guide numbers that would tell you which finger to push down. And, you know, I, I guess I must have been cheating on book one because I was, I was reading the numbers and I failed to learn how to read the music. So uh, when I found out I actually was going to have to learn how to read the music, I, I just didn't like it too much, and so... I decided to quit the piano, but uh, I had had enough time to actually learn which notes were which, and I continued to play by ear, and I taught myself chords and uh, and what, some basic uh, lead stuff and elementary theory, and uh, you know I found myself uh, uh, in a band playing keyboards because I couldn't get a job as a drummer. Thirteen, I wanted to, and. Uh, I had some friends that were about 15 or 16 years old, and they had a great band. It wasn't a great band, but they had a band that uh, it was, seemed great at the time, and I wanted to drum for them, but, you know, they were having nothing to do with having a 13-year-old be their drummer. They had a drummer already. He was one of their friends, and uh, I was a much better drummer, but I was 13 years old, and uh, I suspect I uh, interfered with their, their dating scene or something. <laughs> you know, I, I, I still don't know what it was that... Uh, that prevented that from happening, but uh, they told me, "Listen, you know, we can we have a drummer, but there's no keyboard players around, and uh, you know, you play pretty good keyboards, and if you get an organ, we'll let you be in the band." So I quit the drums at 13 and uh, started playing keyboards. I, I bought a Baldwin Combo Compact and I started playing keyboards. And by the time I was graduated from high school, I had gone through a number of other bands and was leading a very good band at that time. And, uh, you know, by the time I graduated high school, I, uh, I actually uh, started playing guitar, and that was kind of an accident. Uh, the band had left some stuff set up in the house I was living in at the time. I had already moved into my own place, and um, I was doing an LSD trip at the time, and uh, I picked up the guitar player's guitar, and I started seeing all these flashing lights appearing on the fingerboard. And so I played Follow the Dots, and uh, I found that... Uh, what I was hearing was actually starting to make musical sense to me, or so I thought. So, uh, you know, I just kept playing. I played for about 36 hours straight, and, and uh, I, you know, it got to the point I was afraid to go to sleep because I thought if I went to sleep, I'd wake up and it would all have just been a dream. And, uh, you know, but, you know, eventually you just have to go to sleep, and I eventually did. And when I woke up, I uh, 
I ran back to the room with the guitar and uh, tried to play it, and then my fingers were raw, of course, but I, I, I remembered everything. And uh, I bought a guitar. And actually, my guitar player was pretty stunned because I knew some stuff at that point after two days that he couldn't understand how I knew it because he couldn't play it, and he'd been teaching guitar for nine years. So, uh, you know, it's <laughs> I learned guitar very, very quickly, and I have... No explanation for how that happened other than the one I just gave you, but I, I would not recommend that as a method of self-instruction to any of the listeners out there. It just seemed to be the way it, it worked for me. So I've been performing the better part of 40 years since my mid-teens, and uh, I guess I've been involved with music on some level for, for pretty much my entire life. That's a pretty impressive way to learn guitar. Maybe it was due to your previous experience with other instruments and the way you played by ear that led you to instinctively know how to do that. That was a long time spent in music and it's great you tried so many different things and that you still enjoy it. Did these landslides of experience lead you to your current band name or was it something else? Uh, you know, uh, we were uh, involved in seriously intense rehearsals uh, for about 18 months before we ever played a gig live. And, uh, you know, I had this plan that we would uh, we would come out with a, a band that did uh, three sets of all original music and we'd have uh, concert level gear and equipment and uh, our recordings already made and on the air before we ever played a gig. That was the plan for Avalanche. And... Uh, you know, uh, we were well along on that plan. I'd say we were about a year into that plan. Uh, we had a lot of music written. I was buying equipment at that point in time in massive amounts. Uh, Marshall stacks, four at a time, and massive JBL sound systems and 24-track boards. And, uh, and we had a we had a six-man road crew. And, uh, you know, they were wiring things up, and they were stenciling the flight cases and doing all kinds of stuff. And uh, one of the roadies... Uh, one day was sitting in the rehearsal hall and he goes, you know, this this band's coming together just just like an avalanche. And, you know, the second I heard him say that, I said, that's it, you know. And uh, so I went to Webster's and I looked up the word avalanche in the dictionary. And the first definition I read for avalanche in Webster's was an unstoppable natural force. And I said, that's perfect. And uh, we had our name. We actually trademarked that name back in 1977, I believe it was. Since then, I've noticed there's been a number of bands that have come out using that name. And, uh, you know, I just sort of laugh about it because most of them are just kind of like, you know, wedding bands and, uh, you know, holiday in tourist bands and... Uh, you know, it really doesn't matter to me because, you know, our, our name and our music has been pretty well established, you know, for many, many years now. Uh, we, were, we were opening on ACDC's Highway to Hell tour in 1979. Um, I think we were the first, and uh, I think the name is self-explanatory. Well, I can certainly see why. It certainly suits you, and it's done you well. 
It's a shame to see so many other bands and products coming up with your name. I even remember when I originally called myself Wizardsleeve, I was the only one. I obviously wasn't as well established as you, but I did a lot of research on uh, the net before taking a stupid nickname into being a name that I made music with, and there was no one else called Wizardsleeve. The only thing was the definition in the slang dictionary, which was a large vagina. Which sort of sums me up totally. Since then, when you Google it, you know, there are loads of bands and other things called Wizard Sleeve. You know, Wizard Sleeve, Beyond the Wizard Sleeve, Wizard Sleeve Toys, Wizard Sleeve Ski Pogies. But I don't really care, as I don't use that name anymore. But I have to admit, when I first uh, found out these other bands having the same name as me, or similar names as me, I, I did actually mind. I haven't been around as long as you, and I'm nowhere near as well established, so I felt threatened that someone else would take my name, uh, and, and like the originality of it, everybody would think, oh, well, you're just copying them, and, you know, I felt that I was the first person to do it. Um, but, you know, as I said, it doesn't matter anymore, and uh, obviously you're not concerned about these other products because you know full well you were the first. Now, obviously, your band is very rock-orientated, but what first made you decide to play this kind of music? It's an interesting question, and uh, I, the answer, the short answer is I've just always really loved this style of music. Uh, even before I, I actually started writing my own music in this style, I liked listening to it from other artists. You know, I can think of a few that in, uh, influenced me heavily before I ever started writing this kind of stuff. Uh, Humble Pie was one of the bands. Spooky Tooth was one of the bands. Free was one of the bands. Led Zeppelin was one of the bands. Uh, it's funny, but most of the bands that influenced me uh, in my early formative years as a writer and as a player were British hard rock bands. And, uh, you know, they all played on the backside of the beat. They all had what what I call the slow heavies. It was where they would really accentuate every single chord and every single beat so that you just couldn't miss the pocket. And I loved that. But for me, as a writer, it really changed. And I really started to develop my own writing identity in that style after I had an opportunity in 1976 to audition with a band called Derringer that was led by a guy named Rick Derringer who many people know uh, uh, worked with Johnny Winter and was a leader of a band called the McCoys and he's just a great guitar player and uh, he had this band Derringer at that time that was sensational and they had already recorded a couple of very good records at that time uh, the whole band was monsters they had Vinnie Apice, Carmine Apice's brother on drums and Kenny Aronson on bass and they had this guitarist named Danny Johnson playing guitar with Rick and uh, you know I found out through my friend Annie who worked at American Talent International in Manhattan who also happened to be the agency that was handling Derringer that uh, Danny Johnson was going to be leaving the band and they were going to be auditioning guys to replace him and she wanted to know if I wanted to come down and audition for the band and uh, at the time I didn't really think I was good enough to do it uh, but she did and she talked me into it and set up an audition and uh, I got there and I auditioned with uh, with those guys I met them we talked for a little while and I can remember when we started playing uh, the first of the four songs I was asked to go down there to play that uh, 
I felt like I had been just completely lifted off the ground by a tidal wave of, of sound. It was so powerful that I had never felt or experienced anything like it. And I made up my mind on the spot that I wanted to have a band that approached and attacked music on that level in, in that way because it just felt amazing. And, uh, you know... Uh, I finished my audition with those guys, and Rick came over, shook my hand, said, you're a really good guitar player, we'll be in touch, and I thought I'd never hear from him again, and a couple of days later, I got a call from Rick Derringer telling me that out of the 400 guitar players they had auditioned in New York City, I was now on the short list of five finalists that they were considering for the job, and I was amazed, actually, to tell you the truth. Uh, and he told me he'd call me back in a day or two. And when he did, uh, he told me he had just gotten off the phone with Peter Grant, who was Led Zeppelin's manager, and he had just been offered the opening band slot to open to Zeppelin on their California tour, uh, their California leg of their U.S. tour. And that was going to happen in 10 days. And because of that, he told me, he said, listen, Mike, I think you're a better guitar player than the guy we're going to go with. But uh, we don't think you can learn our stage show. We have a lot of choreography and a lot of stage stuff that is essential to our show. And we just don't think we have the time to work you in before that Zeppelin tour starts. So we're going to go with a roadie from our group who's been with us for two years. He's a real good guitar player and he knows our show cold. But don't be discouraged. We think you're a great player. Just keep on doing what you're doing. And he thanked me and he hung up. And uh, I found out later that that guitar player, that roadie for the band that Derringer was going to use, was Neil Giraldo. And Neil Giraldo is the guy who ended up marrying Pat Benatar and was the lead guitar player with Pat Benatar and still is to this day. So, um, you know, needless to say... It did a whole lot for my self-confidence to to realize that uh, I was in that kind of company, and that I had I had just by a hair missed being in a band that was going to be touring with Led Zeppelin, who was I thought was the best rock band in the world. And I went from a guy thinking I wasn't good enough to uh, even be auditioning for that band to having just missed uh, being at the very top of the rock and roll pyramid, so to speak. And uh, you know, uh, I had experienced what I had experienced. I took all that information from that audition and all the uh, things I, I, I learned from watching that take place and watching the equipment and seeing how these guys just were strictly business, strictly professional, no messing around, spend what you got to spend, buy what you got to buy, do what you got to do, but make it happen. And I, I took that lesson seriously and I learned from it and... Uh, I went back to Connecticut, where I was living at the time, and uh, I made the decision I was going to put together this band, Avalanche. Man, that's amazing. What an experience. I bet part of you still wonders what life might have been like if you had been led on that tour, though. But man, to be considered that good must have just been like spellbinding out of this world. What you learned from that experience has definitely done you good. Sitting here today, you're a fantastic band, you've opened for some great bands, and you're still cranking out some great tunes. You're obviously a long-time rock fan, but are there any other styles of music you like other than this? Let me just say that uh, I like pretty much all music uh, that I listen to if it's performed in an excellent way. Um, 
I can appreciate great classical music. I can appreciate good jazz when I listen to it. I can appreciate blues, rock, acoustic music, vocal stuff. It, uh, even you know, even uh, Native American flute stuff and meditative music. I like pretty much any music that takes me to some place and is striking a chord inside of me emotionally and spiritually. Um, I think music is supposed to touch the soul. And I think when music is performed in an excellent manner by excellent musicians, it does that. Genre becomes completely irrelevant. So um, the first prerequisite I have as far as whether I appreciate something or not is simple. Is it done really well? That's just about the only requirement I have to being able to sit down and be able to enjoy listening to some music. Um, I have some genres that I enjoy more than others because I'm more familiar with the technical, technical aspects of what's being done. Uh, and sometimes I really appreciate the technical aspects of music that I don't do. Simply because I don't do it, 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 it makes me appreciate the skills of the people that I'm listening to even more. Um, so uh, I guess uh, I, I will say that it's really important to me to know that it's being performed well and with, a, with real excellence. And that is especially true of musicians who are actually live musicians performing on real instruments. I have much less appreciation for sampled music, computerized music, uh, and that kind of stuff because... I'm just one of those guys who believes that, uh, you know, sampled music and computers and stuff are doing a lot of the work that musicians who perform on real instruments have to spend years and years of their life in order to master well enough to sound that good. And I just think when a machine can do that by just hitting a button, it, 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 is unfair to musicians who have spent a lifetime developing those skills on real instruments. Uh, and it's kind of cheating. It, it's, it's disrespectful to the musicians who, who do it the real way. And it creates the impression that music is really easy and that anybody can do it. And, uh, you know, I guess that's true if you're using a computer to generate your sounds, but, uh, or a sample to generate your sounds, but it is absolutely not the case if you are mastering a real instrument. To defend computerized music, there is a lot more than just hitting a button. In some cases, there are people who do just use pre-made loops and samples, stick them together, go, oh, look, I made a tune. But there are a lot of people out there who do build each sound from scratch. In fact, in some respects, it's a lot harder to make some of the sounds in electronic music that might be easier to do with a guitar or a bass guitar. You can take that instrument, throw on a distortion pedal, effects pedal, different amps have different sounds, as I'm sure you well know, and then there's like loads of processing that can be done too. Whereas, you know, electronic music, imagine taking absolutely nothing, you know, just uh, some sort of sound wave, let's say a saw wave, and then you take another saw wave and put them slightly out of phase with each other change the attack, the decay, the sustain, the release, putting on different filters, layers of distortion, EQing and compressing it, resampling, relaying, processing again and again till you get that final sound that you want and then proceeding to make, you know, a little tune from that. 
Okay, I will admit that more often than not, the playing is point and click instead of live playing, though there are some artists who, once they have made that sound, hook up a MIDI keyboard and play along to their tune, building up, and, you know, they've got the whole thing going on there. They may tighten up the notes once they've done that recording afterwards, but that's what a lot of major record labels do to any bands that record anyway. Everything gets quantized in the end. And it's a common misconception that no work goes into electronic music. When I was a purist metalhead, I too believed that there was no skill behind it. I even got a program on some demo CD that was literally loads of pre-recorded samples that you... All in the same key. So whatever you did, it sounded, well, for want of a better word, good. I thought that that was all there was in electronic music. Not knowing what actually goes into making those sounds. I am still today wowed by some people's live playing. In some respects, I still believe that there is more talent in playing an instrument to its fullest than in electronic music. Everyone can jam a few chords, you know, but some people's talent, it's just, wow, you know, amazing. You can't fully appreciate it until you see them live. Now, we know what you like and that you're not the biggest fan of computerized music, but are there any particular genres of music that you hate? And, you know, I, I hesitate to answer this question truthfully because I know if I do, I am bound to offend and insult some people. But... You know, the truthful answer to the question is, yes, there is. And, uh, you know, I've already spoken a little bit about my dislike for sampled music and computer-generated music because of of all the reasons I already outlined. But, uh, you know, um, there's one form of music that's out there that is foundation, and its foundation and its entire makeup seems to be based on samples, especially drum samples, uh combined with mindless non-musical lyrics and it is rap music that I'm talking about I despise rap music in all of its forms uh, I'm not a big fan of hip-hop music either but uh, I, I can recognize that there's a difference between some hip-hop music and some rap music in that hip-hop I hear some of the rhythm and blues influences uh, finding their way into hip-hop music at least with some of the artists and uh, and harmonies and some actual real singing. So, you know, it's an attempt to uh, refine the genre, I suspect, somewhat. But uh, I'm not a big fan of hip-hop either. Uh, part of the reason for that is that since those genres of music have become a part of our culture, literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who would have never aspired to have been musicians now flood the music industry, the music sites, the music market with mediocre or poor quality rap music uh, because they think they're going to be a star doing that stuff. And the reason they think they're going to be a star doing that stuff is because the people they hear that are stars don't really have anything special going on for the most part either. And if you really go back to the early days of rap music, it was really very little more than drug dealers finding a way to launder their money by laundering it through the music industry. But the truth of the matter is, it is a bane on the existence of 
all musicians, and I'm talking about white and black musicians, women, men, young, old, it doesn't really matter what type of musician. Real musicians come in all forms, all shapes, all sizes, and all colors. Uh, but the common ground and the common thread that runs through them all is they are they love music. And, you know, a, a pounding drum beat and a bunch of, of rhymes that uh, basically glorify street life is not music, in my opinion. It is just an excuse for music. The lyrics in rap music glorify violence and drug use and degradation of women and disrespect for law and life and other people. Um, that's not my idea of music, and it's not my idea of what music is supposed to convey. And it's an insult to life. It's an insult to music. It's an insult to musicians. And it's a sad indictment on how shallow the music industry has allowed itself to become in the pursuit of a buck. And, um, you know, I guess I could go on and on about it, but, uh, you know, um, all you really have to do is go to any internet site and, and check it out. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll use SoundClick as an example. I happen to be on SoundClick along with a number, a number of other sites we happen to belong to as Avalanche. But, uh, you know, on SoundClick, I would say 90% of the 300,000 or so bands that are there are hip-hop artists. And all you have to do is go to the hip-hop forums, and it's nonstop one calling out the other saying, you know, my shit's better than your shit. Check out my beats, peep. You know, people trying to market sample drum beats all day long. Uh, people challenging each other to who's the baddest mofo on the block. And, uh, you know, you know that's just not music or the music industry as I have ever known it. Um, it's the way it used to be on the street corners when I had drug problems, but it's got nothing to do with music. I have to say, I don't really like any modern rap or hip-hop because it's all fronty. Fuck you, I'm better than you, I'm gonna kill you, I got better cars than you. Uh, and a lot of older-style rap stuff I did like, you know? It had a funky beat and fun-style lyrics uh, and had quite a lot of comedy to it, you know? And I, I do like... A lot of uh, the comical edge to music. Uh, people enjoying the music that they're making. Um, I, I will admit, you know, that there was some fronty stuff back then as well. And I am not a fan at all of anything with uh, that much attitude behind it. Glorifying things like mugging and killing and, and any kind of violence. It just usually just turns me off the track almost instantly, regardless of the actual backing to it, if that can be good and the lyrics are just like, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Nah, I'm gone. It's lost to me, completely. Uh, I do believe that in any genre there, there are a few good tracks, but I think nearly every single person we have interviewed has said the same thing. The music that they can't stand above anything else is hip-hop and rap. And I, I honestly don't blame them. Don't feel you have to worry about offending people and don't apologize for expressing an opinion. We are all different and we all like different things and all of us here on Nexus accept that. And it seems pretty much that all of us uh, agree <laughs> that most hip-hop and rap isn't worthy of its existence. 
We've learnt a little bit about your likes and dislikes in music. Uh, now I'd like to hear some of yours. What is a personal favourite song of yours? You know, I probably would have to say that I have a very soft spot for a song called The Golden Sun, which was a song that I wrote when I was 22 years old, or 21 years old, I think. In uh, 1972, I wrote it. And I performed it uh, in a couple of bands prior to Avalanche. It was five years of arranging work for me. Um, it's a very long uh, anthem to Woodstock Nation. And, uh, you know, I just happen to think it's got a great message and, and, and captures the time incredibly well. And I've had a number of close friends uh, who have told me that they believe the song is historic and legendary. And, you know, I don't know if that's true, but I do know that it is a part of our history and my personal history. And uh, so it should always be included in any mentions about Avalanche. And, uh, you know, um, we ended every single live concert we ever did with this song, The Golden Sun. And it always left the people wanting more. And the only reason I even have a recorded version of it at all is, uh, you know, we recorded uh, the song one night at about three in the morning after we had done some recording sessions to record our second radio single. And we were done with that, and we just decided to beat unwind and have a little fun and play the song before we called it a night. And we didn't really know at the time, but the recording engineer who was working with us ran the tapes without our knowledge. And as a result of that, the song got re recorded for posterity. And, um, you know, it was never really mixed. You know, I did a little bit of rough mixing and volume balancing on it uh, after we did it. And I grabbed the 24-track tapes and brought them to my house, and I always had the intention of, you know, really mixing it properly. Uh, but unfortunately, I had somebody come to my house who stole the 24-track tape and bulk erased it because they thought they'd save some money on one of their recording uh, ventures. And so the only thing I really have to show for that whole experience is the stereo mix down of the rough mix. And that's a tragedy because I think the song, if it was mixed properly, uh, really, really would be an unbelievable piece of music. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I'm still very, very happy that it got recorded at all. And so that one's probably way, way up on the list. Um, it's one of the few songs uh, recorded by the original uh, incarnation of Avalanche and it's uh, the last time the original group was in a recording studio together uh, before our initial breakup. Well here we go ladies and gentlemen The Golden Sun
And on that note, we finish the first half of this interview with Mike from Avalanche. Part two will continue later in the show. Stick around, folks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, how did you like that first half of the interview? Yeah, that's right. That was Mike from Avalanche. As you heard from that interview, he was—he actually played with ACDC. He played with ACDC, and uh, he was one of the people who got them where they are today uh, by what they were doing. And unfortunately, uh, he wasn't the big name, so he never became big. Uh, if you want to hear more about his past and some of his interesting stories... Well, you got to stick around, but until then we've got Skullcap with Forget Me Not, Shift USA with Devil Beside, and Circular Force with Disorder. Well, I'm a finally get my chance to cry. 
track was uh, Circle of Force with Disorder uh, and I, I, you know what, there's so much great unsigned metal out there it, seriously, seriously there's just, on all these different sites, be it IMW also known as IndieMusicWorks.com uh, on SoundClick.com uh, less so on that site because generally the stuff there that uh, is any good you can't download, which is bloody annoying uh, Gemendo.com and, and, and any multitude of other sites um, you just go out there and there's just absolutely fantastic amount of content that uh, you can use for your shows, <laughs> it's brilliant um I have to say, uh, obviously these shows are generally about the unsigned artist, as well as having fun and a good time. Uh, now, it's Friday the 13th, which is why I've been playing all the metal 
it is also uh, comic relief here in the UK, which is why I've been playing all the comedy. One thing I haven't got to is all of your requests. That's right, requests. Uh, so if you go to nexusradio.co.uk and click request, you've got a list of stuff that you want to, to play. And we've actually had some requests come in. Now our good buddy, uh, S4E, also known as Henry, has been requesting some trance. Now I said tonight was about metal and comedy and scary stuff. But I'm never going to deny a listener's request. So, uh, without much further ado, here are S4E, also known as Henry's, requests. Uh, we've got Out of the Blue uh, by System F, uh, Tenshi by Guriella, and Games Master by The Lost Tribe. If you've got any requests, get them in now. If not, we're going to go back to the metal, and then the rest of the interview will be coming up later. You're listening to Nexus Radio.
Hey, Joe. Wizard Slick. Hey, take that fucking silly ass hat off and come here for a minute. Oh, uh, oh, Bobby. Bobby, what do you want, man? Hey, listen, man. I got some killer shit that I took out of the back of Steph's jacket. Let's mean you ditch this party for a second and go outside and uh, get us a little buzz in the lead. A buzz? Oh, yes, that sounds really good. Hey, you want to get Steph and Maddie? No, man, they too busy looking at Joey's tits in that Miss Santa Claus outfit. Come on, man, let's go outside. Come on, let's hurry. Oh, all right. Hey, how you like my new football shorts? I got them for Christmas. Football shorts? I thought they was your goddamn underwear. You play football in padded pants, you little sissy. Don't make me hit you with my dick again. Oh, all right. Hey, you got the sheets? Come on, man, let's go. Hey, well, no worries. Hey, we can use my new partner, the Carlo Gamer. It's supposed to be a life-size version of his dick. It's 18 inches long. Bobby, wait. Coming up next, we've got Group X with that Serial Box. Then MC Lars is signing Emo, a song that is true to life. All you need to know about anyone who has ever signed an Emo band, or in fact, any commercial bullshit kind of fad, be it the modern age R&B, which has nothing to do with blues at all, uh, all the way to what is uh, emo, uh, you, you know, you, you, it is all summed up in this in this song by MC Lars. It is all about how the record companies pick and choose their people. So if you're anyone out there with any form of talent at all, you know full well that you're never going to get signed because you're not lame enough to be manipulated by the record companies and that's what that track is about and it's why I like it uh, even if it does have a very emo chorus uh, and then we've got obviously uh, a track about South Africans and how it's very rare uh, to meet a nice one in fact if you ever do meet a nice one they're destined to fuck you over. And I can say that from personal experience. But before that, let's hear about the cereal box. Uh, I was looking for that cereal box. What, man? I need to get the price for that cereal box for my dad. Just hold on. Okay. I'm holding Hello. Hello, I need to get the price for that cereal box on the air, 100.7. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't understand you. I needed to get the price for that cereal box. You know, the one with sticks on it? It has lots of sticks and children. Hello? Hello? I need the price, please, for cereal box. You need a price? Yes, cereal box price. How much it was? For what box of cereal? Um, the one with the sticks and the little boy with the hand grenade. I, I think it's called Choo Choo Train. Yes? Hello? Yes. Hello? What? I needed the price for cereal box. What cereal bars? Not cereal bars. Box. How Cere- much it was? Please tell me now before I get angry. What cereal box? The one with the boy and the grenade and the children with $200. I have no idea. Bye-bye. <laughs> 
Once upon a time in the city of Los Angeles. Marty, Marty, listen to me. Bring me something the kids will cry for. Get out there and get us stoked. Meet Marty, major label A&R scout. 40 years old, gut hanging out. Red Ferrari Marty, living in L.A. Bumps another line to get through the day. Dumped by his girl, he paid for her liposuction. His friends call him money in his introduction. And Marty knows nothing but claims to know it all. Lose a flat screen TV if he drops the ball. You're as good as your last hit, find the next big thing. If he doesn't bring the bling, his cell phone won't ring. What's the trend, what's new, what's a label scout to do? Office Life Marty, 1132. The label press calls and yells. Sign more emo. How about Screamo? If it's sells, sign Nemo. We're down 2%. And BMG knows my daughter likes dashboards, so get me one of those. He checks AP Net, the Scout, and more. Yelling band names to his assistant through the door. The kids will like this. Who cares if it's great? So he signs a band called Hearts That Hate. Marty, we've got a hit. Marty goes to the show Up in the club And here we go Marty sees a girl In a simple plan shirt With a census fail boy Ha, that'll never work He finds his label friends In the corner of the huddle An email catalogation They penetrate the bubble They talk about victory And signing TBS Dissing the same bands They just try to impress So the lights go down The crowd starts to scream Hearts that hate Half hit the scene Blake on vocals And lead guitar He does a backflip Look how different we are They show up at the studio To record it A TRL billboard Modern rock hit they ought to tune Blake, but he can't tell He says, I've got perfect pitch Damn, I sing well Pro Tools, Logic, cut, copy, paste Quantized solos in quantized bass Signed, sealed, delivered, and sent Across the U.S. and the single went But it all caves in Industrial comes back The Prez needs an in Marty finds a band called Fetal Coil And hearts that hate Try to keep their fans loyal They rework their sound For album number two As machines of hate But their career is through They break up and work Pushing mops and brooms Blake gives guitar lessons In his living room Blake gives guitar lessons In his living room Blake gives guitar lessons In his living room Can you teach me track five, Mr. Blake? Hey, I wrote that song And it goes like this This whole world of arse from Barzi to Peru I've had sunstroke in the Arctic and a swim in Timbuktu I've seen unicorns in Burma and a Yeti in Nepal And I've danced with ten-foot pygmies in a Montezuma Hall I've met the King of China and the working Yorkshire miner But I've never met a nice South African Now he's never met a nice South African 
And it's not really surprising, man Cause we're a bunch of arrogant bosses Who hate black people I once got served in Woolies after less than four weeks wait I had lunch with Rowan Atkinson when he paid and wasn't late I know a public swimming bath with a no piss in the pool I know a guy who got a job straight after leaving school I met a normal merman and a fairly modest German But I've never met a nice South African No, he's never met a nice South African And that's not bloody surprising, man Cause we're a bunch of talentless murderers who smell like baboons I've had a close encounter of the 22nd kind That's when an alien spaceship disappears up your behind I've got directory inquiries after less than 40 rings I've even heard a decent song by Paul McCartney's wings I've seen a flying pig in a quite convincing wig But I've never met a nice South African No, he's never met a nice South African And it's not bloody surprising me Cos we're a bunch of ignorant love-loves with no sense of humour I've met the Loch Ness Monster and he looks like Fred Astaire At the BBC in London he's the Chief Commissioner I know a place in Glasgow which is bright with daffodillies I met the man in Kathmandu who claimed to have two willies I've had a nice pot noodle, but I've never had a poodle But I've never met a nice South African No, he's never met a nice South African And that's not bloody surprising me Because we've never met one either Except for Britain, Britain now then, my little sex objects, here's a little trick. You may like it or you may not. All you listeners at home can make me disappear. All you have to do is lift the needle up and bingo! Now I'm back again, and that's magic. It's not very good, but it's magic. And here I am again. Welcome back. This is part two of the interview with Mike from Avalanche. If you missed the first half, you can catch the full extended interview available on our site at nexusradio.co.uk. Now, Mike, just before the break, we heard one of your tracks, The Golden Sun, which was absolutely awesome. And I have to ask, with tracks like that, do you have any gigs or tours planned at the moment? You know, sadly, the answer to that question is no, we don't. Um, You know, Avalanche hasn't actually performed out live in quite a few years. And uh, we really, really miss being able to perform our music in front of live audiences. But the truth of the matter is that the, uh, the rooms that used to exist that would enable mid-level bands, whether they were signed or unsigned, that play original music to perform in front of audiences. And I'm talking about bands that had followings or had developed followings that were too large for nightclubs and small rooms but weren't quite successful enough to be able to sell enough tickets to fill the large auditoriums and civic centers is that middle ground that I'm talking about. And um, those rooms have ceased to exist. They uh, have vanished from the face of the earth. And as a result of that, um, it has become impossible for Avalanche to uh, actually go out and perform in a live situation uh, The very few rooms that remain uh, That bring in bands Or original music uh, acts 
are so scattered and so far away from each other that uh, to try to set up a tour uh, that makes sense is very, very difficult, if not impossible, without backing. And, uh, you know, the truth is we all perform uh, as uh, freelance artists uh, in various projects, uh, uh, but as Avalanche, uh, that entity has not performed out in a while. Um, you know, we're a concert act. Avalanche is a concert act. And as a result of that, uh, you know, we we carry large amounts of stage equipment and huge sound systems and lighting and, uh, you know, require roadies and sound men. And, you know, the expenses of putting on a show like that are such that uh, just to show up at a place requires us to ask for a minimum of uh, $1,500 to $2,000 just as break-even money. You know, that's before the band even gets paid. And, um, you know, when we walk into a club and we have never played there before and we say we want to come in and that's what we need, we get laughed right out of the room. You know, and the club owners will say, well, we'll give you three or $400 and if you don't do really well for us that first time in, we're, you're not coming back, you know? And so what they're really asking us to do is to show up and and pay out of our pockets $1,500 or so for the privilege of allowing them to make a profit off of what we do. Um, and, you know, we feel that makes absolutely no sense for us financially or personally. After all the investment and all the years uh, of, of hard work and, uh, and uh, commitment that we have put into the band and into the music industry, to be reduced to a point right now where we have to pay to play, we just feel is an insult and we won't do it. Well, that's uh, definitely a shame. I, I am sure you've got plenty of fans out there who would love to see you live again. And as you said, I mean, you love the whole live aspect of things. Uh, maybe something to look into is putting like music videos together and maybe creating a larger following that way. Even if you were just posting them uh, low quality versions on YouTube, offering DVDs of your show and uh, you know, g getting more people involved that way, you might get a, a huge response and suddenly go, hang on a second, we've now got four times the amount of people interested in our show. Uh, maybe, maybe it's time we looked into booking a few places around the world. Uh, but, you know, as you said, it's it's uh, a very, very hard thing to do at the moment, and the current economical climate doesn't help either. You've already told us about a couple of the amazing experiences you've had within your life, but what is your most memorable experience? You know, I have to laugh at that question because, you know, I've been... I've been a professional musician now for the better part of my life. I actually played my first professional gig when I was 13 years old. And uh, so I've been doing this uh, as a career for well over 40 years. And, uh, you know, aside from leading Avalanche uh, for over 30 years, now I've worked with many, many other bands. And, uh, you know, some of them are quite famous. And uh, some of the musicians that I've worked with are very well known. Some of them are Grammy Award winners. And, uh, you know, uh, every one of those bands had some amazing experiences that I was involved with that I could I could spend a week talking about some of the experiences I've had with some of these bands. But uh, you know, we don't have time for that. And uh, but I, I guess I should give you guys a little bit of information. You know, by the time I was 20, I was uh, on tour with the Buddy Guy and Junior Wells Blues Band. You know, I've worked with Mitch Ryder in Detroit. I've worked with the Buddy Cage band. Buddy Cage was the pedal steel player for the New Riders and the Purple Sage. 
You know, I've worked with uh, Matt Guitar Murphy from the Blues Brothers. You know, I, I was one of the founders and, and uh, founding members of a band called the Mohegan Sun All-Stars, which is still a, a fantastic band, and today is the house band at the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut. And that group is a group of 12 to 14 musicians that get together. It's kind of a big band, you know, full horn section, two or three keyboard players, two or three guitar players. And the personnel constantly changes, and it, it consists of guys who play in bands like Joe Cocker and Crosby, Stills and Nash and Tower of Power and Orleans and, you know, Maceo Parker guests on saxophone sometimes and, you know, the organ player from Saturday Night Live uh, sits in when Mike Finnegan can't make it. Mike Finnegan is, is the uh, organ player who took my spot on him and B3 when I moved to Florida. And Mike Finnegan... Uh, has been the Crosby, Stills and Nash Hammond organ player for 25 years, as well as having, you know, done work with David Mason and uh, Etta James and albums with uh, Carlos Santana, and he he's actually on Electric Ladyland with Jimi Hendrix. So, you know, I I've been involved with some really amazing musicians, and uh, you know, I guess the funny one of the funniest stories I guess I can tell you is how I got the gig with Buddy Guy. You know, and my brothers owned a concert club in Connecticut and in 1972 uh, they started booking in National Blues Acts and I found out Buddy Guy was coming and um, you know Buddy Guy and Junior Wells had just recorded an album that Eric Clapton had produced for them and uh, at the time like Cream was like my favorite band and I'm thinking you know if I can get a job with Buddy Guy I'll get to meet Eric Clapton and, you know, all I really wanted to do at that point in time was meet as many of these musicians that I considered my mentors and my idols as I possibly could. I wasn't really too worried about getting rich or famous. I just wanted to, to meet these guys and play with them. And, uh, um, you know, so anyway, the, the day of the gig, Buddy Guy arrived from Chicago in his van and pulled into the parking lot. And I was waiting for him. And, you know, I'm 19 years old. I'm actually 20 years old. I think I just turned 20. And, uh, and um you know, I've been doing this band where I've been playing songs that were cover songs from Traffic and, you know, Three Dog Night and, you know, The Grassroots and Jimi Hendrix and Cream and stuff. And, you know, I didn't really know too much about what the blues was about at that point in time. And, uh, um, you know, Buddy Guy pulls in and I wait for him to get out of his van and I walk up to him and I say, uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Guy, um, is there any chance you might be looking for an organ player for your band? And, you know, he stopped dead in his tracks and turned around and looked at me and he goes, Why, boy, uh, you think you can cut it? And, of course, being the uh, the, the uh, clueless, arrogant 20-year-old, uh, I looked right at him and I said, Yeah, yeah, I think I can cut it. And he looked right back at me and goes, Well, we'll find out, son, because you're playing with us tonight. And, you know, I, I, I almost fell down. I was in such shock, but... Uh, you know, uh, I managed to stammer out a, a thank you, Mr. Guy, uh, and what time should I be here? And he said, well, showtime's at night. You should probably get here by 8. And he turned around and walked into the club. And uh, I sat there for a minute, and then I just said, I'd better go to the record store. And so, you know, I went to a record store, and I bought about three Buddy Guy records, and I started listening to all these songs, and I, and I couldn't tell one from the other. I just thought every song sounded exactly the same. I couldn't remember the titles. I, I thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to learn any of these songs by tonight, you know? And, uh, you know, as it turned out, uh, 
I set up my Hammond V3 and my Leslie anyway, and uh, you know, but the show was was a sellout. It was like 2,000 people there, and uh, you know, I uh, I remember hitting the stage with the band and uh, thinking, well, at least you know, at least Buddy Guy will uh, will tell me the names of these songs before we start, you know, and uh, hopefully I'll remember some of them. And uh, actually, what he did was he never called one song title at all. He just looked in my direction and said. This one's in G. One, two, one, two, three, four. And, and they were into it, you know? And so all I really could do is just play whatever I thought sounded right for what I was hearing. And, uh, you know, needless to say, I was uh, crapping in my pants and, and really uh, was not very comfortable. Um, but, you know, three or four songs later, Buddy walked up to the microphone and... Uh, looked at the crowd and said so what do y'all think of this here young man and uh, you know they all went crazy they were all clapping and very appreciative you know some of them were hometown uh, people and uh, knew me and and some weren't but uh, you know uh, you know he looked back at me and smiled and he looked at the crowd and goes uh, I do believe we're going to take this young man back to Chicago with us <laughs> and I almost fell down you know I thought I was dreaming uh, but the next day, I bought a new van, loaded it up, and I moved to Chicago. And I spent the next 14 months on tour with Buddy Guy and Junior Wells. Uh, I lived in a motel near Lincoln Park in Chicago. The band was based on the south side, and Buddy Guy had a club called the Checkerboard Lounge. It was in the ghetto. I was the only white guy in the band. And, you know, every night we'd go into the club, and, you know, guys like James Cotton would show up, and... Uh, you know, Hound Dog Taylor would show up, and Coco Taylor would show up, and there were a couple of nights when guys like Jeff Beck would show up, and they'd just sit in the front row and watch Buddy Guy play. And it was really quite amazing to be 20 years old from a small town in Connecticut, and all of a sudden find myself in the big city of Chicago playing blues with uh, some of the greatest blues players in the world. And, you know, it wasn't really long after that I started getting people like Cotton coming up to me and saying, you know, what are you doing with Buddy Guy? Why don't you come and, jump and join my band? I can keep you a lot busier. And, you know, of course I turned him down because I felt it would have been a betrayal to the, uh, to the man who had uh, given me the opportunity to even be in Chicago. So uh, I said, no, thank you. I appreciate the offer and stuff. Uh, and, you know... You know, I stayed with Buddy Guy for 14 months, but I learned a lot of stuff. I learned a lot about the road, and, uh, you know, we played some amazing rooms. We played, uh, you know, the Winterland Ballroom in San Francisco and the Fillmore West and the Whiskey A Go-Go and the Bottom Line in New York City and, you know, Lecoq Door Tavern on Yonge Street in Toronto and, you know, a lot of places in between. And it was really fun. You know, Joe's place in Boston. And uh, I can remember being so overrun with uh, with audience members at Joe's place that, you know, somebody spilled a drink into my B3 and blew the Leslie to smithereens. And I had to go through that week playing second guitar because the organ took five days to get fixed. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, I have story after story after story I could tell you. But uh, the only other one I'll, I'll mention real quickly is uh, when we played our first tour date with ACDC and it was on the Highway to Hell tour and I had some really bad moments with the roadies the roadies were very nasty and they were uh, uncooperative and they set up a stage that gave us almost no room for our equipment and they basically just told us to deal with it and uh, 
you know, I was not a happy camper, but uh, you know, it's tough when you have a Marshall stack, a couple of Marshall stacks, right? Basically in your back, uh, with no room to move or get away from them. And you're trying to put on a show, but that's the situation I found myself in. And, um, you know, I, I remember we did really, really well uh, with ACDC audiences. And uh, I can remember on the very first gig we did with ACDC, looking up and seeing every member of the band just lined up against the wall about 40 feet away, watching our set uh, from beginning to end. They watched the entire show. And, uh, you know, we did music at the time that was a lot different than ACDC. It was kind of the slow methodical, heavy, backbeat British stuff that I really like to do and I really like to listen to at that time. And, uh, you know, it's funny, but, uh, you know, two weeks after we played our last gig with ACDC, Bon Scott died uh, of an alcohol overdose. And it took about a year off. And when they came back, they came back with a new sound and a new singer. And a lot of the music they were doing was very much reminiscent of what we were doing at that time it wasn't that real straight ahead real fast stuff that uh, ACDC was kind of known for it was much more the slow heavies as I like to call them and if you think of the the album Back in Black because that was the album that they came out with after uh, Bon Scott died um, that's exactly what that music was and that's exactly what hit really really big and propelled ACDC into superstardom forever and was actually the beginning of the super hard rock era that developed through the entire 1980s that uh, that Avalanche saw that coming in 1977 and we had already written three albums worth of music doing that exact music by the time 1979 rolled around so we were we were way ahead of the curve we knew what was coming uh, and uh, you know ACDC Today, they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and, you know, we're still trying to get people to listen to us. <laughs> and, it's, you know, it's just the way it sort of goes in rock and roll. You know, you never know how it's going to turn out. But, uh, you know, those are a couple of really memorable stories. I, I have a ton of them, but, you know, um, we just don't have time for it. But, you know, let me just say it's been a really, really interesting ride. And I think I've done more stuff in my life than most people could probably do in a couple of lifetimes. And... Uh, you know, I've had some problems in my life as a result of the lifestyle I've lived and the, and the people I've associated with. Uh, um, I had a lot of drug problems, um, but, you know, I've been completely substance free now for 11 years. Uh, I've got some health problems that have shown up very recently that uh, are probably consequences from when I was using a lot of drugs. And uh, I don't know what the future holds for me, but I can tell you that... Uh, in spite of all that, I wouldn't trade my life, past or present or whatever, for anything. Uh, I am very blessed and very lucky to have been able to know the people I've met, do the things that I've done, seen the places that I've seen. And to be able to have lived my life doing something that I love um, is probably the most memorable experience of all. And... Uh, I think I'll just leave it right there. So there you go. Well, I tell you, I'm already envious of your life just from those couple of experiences. Uh, I, I, you know what? You should just record a CD of your experiences. Have Avalanche's music playing in the background. 
uh, maybe some more of like the mellower stuff uh, for some more of the, the easier going stories and maybe some harder stuff for the more fast paced experiences but man that, that's just absolutely awesome um, I just thank you for sharing those experiences with us it's uh, fantastic um, I would like to know though uh, you, as you said you uh, you haven't made it big uh, like uh, bands such as ACDC that you've played with have done and uh, everybody who writes music even if it's in the back of their mind um, they want to have uh, you know a track signed or out there um, making some serious dollar or at least uh, having loads of people listening to them and appreciating their music but uh, what other aspirations do you have for your life? You know I don't know it's a, it, that's a tough question to answer um as a musician, music has always been my focus, and uh, and you know I haven't really ever really gotten to have the uh, widespread audience for the stuff that that I write and for the for the, for the music that Avalanche does that I would have liked. But uh, and I think we have music that's good enough to be played and appreciated pretty much anywhere. But uh, you know the truth of the matter is that uh, I'm enough of a realist to know that at at this point in my life, at 57 years old, um, it's most likely not going to happen. And the time that that could have happened for us has come and gone. You know, I have the freedom right now to do a lot of things I've never really done. You know, I'd like to be able to travel a lot. I'd love to spend the next few years of my life traveling in Europe and seeing Australia and going to New Zealand and, you know, taking uh, the lady that I'm involved with uh, to the island of Bali and have us spend a couple of months on Bali or Tahiti uh, and just enjoy life. Um, well, that sounds cool. Uh, as long as you're enjoying life, what else matters? Uh, it'd be great to travel around the world, see places you haven't seen. And I think you should do it as soon as you can. Why not? You actually mentioned interacting with people on the internet, and also earlier you mentioned sites like SoundClick. I was wondering, on these sites that you've uh, listened to different artists on, do you have a particular favorite unsigned artist or band? You know, that's a long list of players, and, uh, you know, as I said before, the only thing that really is required for me to really like somebody is that they are doing their music excellently, and... Uh, God, there's so many musicians out there today that are filling that bill that uh, the list is too long to actually go through completely. But, uh, you know, I really I really love Matt Beal. I think Matt Beal is just a smoking hard rocker. I really like his music, and I like everything about him. I like the way he attacks the music. I'm, I'm, I'm a really big fan of Maria Danes and Paul Killington. I think uh, Maria has the most recognizable and distinctive hard rock voice in indie music, and Paul's just a fantastic guitar player and engineer, and I love those guys. They're, uh, they're really good friends, and I, and I love their music. Uh, they deserve success. Everybody on this list actually deserves success, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I really like Guy Machete. I think Guy is just a very well-rounded artist with great instincts and a nice rich sound uh, very American, very blue collar very reminiscent of Springsteen I really love his stuff um, I really love David Pendragon's stuff from the, from the tribe uh, it's just fantastic music and uh, 
it's very uh, world oriented and very international and it really knows no boundaries I've heard him play music that sounds very uh, aboriginal at times I've heard him play music that sounds very mid-eastern at times uh, David seems to have no boundaries uh, and he can also rock with the best of when he chooses to uh, an awesome production always you know, I, l I really love a band called The Sullied I think they're great they're from Las Vegas uh, unfortunately I haven't heard any new music from from uh, Matthew Sully in a long time in that band but uh, the stuff that I have heard I really really like uh, I'm a big fan of Brian Brooks out of uh, England. Brian is uh, another person I've managed to establish a friendship with over the internet and his guitar playing and, and songwriting style is very distinctive and very unique and uh, he's a very talented fella. Um, I'm a big fan of On Off On out of California. These guys are just really, really excellently schooled musicians, all of them, and uh, they continue to amaze me with their diversity and their great uh, instrumental musicianship. Uh, they're fantastic. Um, I love Gretchen. I think Gretchen is a really excellent hard rock band. Uh, um, both Dave and Mia are excellent. Dave's the guitarist, and, and her his uh, wife Mia is a fantastic singer. And that band smokes. Um, I like Joe Roy. I think this is a guy who has really, really captured the essence of great blues and blues rock. Uh, his music is earthy and real, and it always just makes me feel it. Um, I'm a super big fan of Nigel Potter. I just think Nigel's got an outstanding voice, instantly distinctive, and he writes such beautiful music. And, uh, you know, he's got a great heart and, you know, is very selfless. And, um, you know, I just really, I think Nigel's a rocker through and through. Um, and he's a good friend. And I, uh, I always like listening to his new music that he puts out. And he's very productive. He puts out lots of music on a regular basis. Uh, so uh, Nigel's definitely on that list. So, you know, I could go on and on and on, but uh, that's some of them. And, uh, you know, kudos to you all. That's uh, definitely a large list of unsigned artists, and some of them I haven't heard before, so I'm definitely going to get on it and uh, check them out. Um, but enough of them, it's back to you. Uh, I want to know which of your tunes... Do you find has the most Nexus Radio playing the best unsigned artists from around the world? Well, that's very strange. The uh, interview cut out for no apparent reason. The interview is supposed to be 48 minutes long. It was 48 minutes long, but it's cut out early and has played the end track. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I do apologise for this. It is not time for the end of Nexus. It is not time for the end at all. But it's nice to have this track uh, playing in the background anyway. In fact, I think we should appreciate it and then get back to some comedy.
Watch them fall. Watch them try to catch a ball. Olympics. Special Olympics. Watch them laugh. Watch them drool. Watch them fall into the pool that's diving. At the Special Olympics, and I know full well that I will burn in hell. But those guys playing wheelchair basketball gotta be about the funniest freaking thing I've ever seen in my life. At the Special Olympics. Kid with Downs wins the race, even though he stood in place Olympic. <laughs> Olympics. <laughs> Round his neck, gold medals hung, resting on his giant tongue. Olympics. <laughs> But I kid when I sing, 'cause these games are a beautiful thing. Okay, really, I'm just avoiding karma 'cause I know my children could be born crippled and blind and semi-retired. I have to spend all my time at the special. So the last couple of tracks have been Chicane Saltwater and Stephen Lynch. The Special Olympics coming up next. We've got the Bloodhound Gang with "You're Pretty When I'm Drunk," Tom Green with the Salmon Song, and then, oh, don't you just want to know? To slip free brew and go fuzzy flounder fishing Cages on the hi-fi and the keg was bottomless Until we brought Skip a pot of us and daddy gonna get some probably underage and dumb And everybody knows that the daddy eats his young Lupus in the lavatory making a big stink Macing up the toilet seat and pooping in the sink MSG's tanked up and whizzing in a cup Waiting for a sprinkle genie to come and drink it up Cause I'm the one bottle willy with the 12 horse ale After that I get silly like soupy sales Now it's midnight and I'm completely boofy blitzed A six of Schlitz and the Jubu man a shepherd With my beer tin and glasses I'm ready to bitty battle I'm hungry like like the wolf, but I'll end up tending cattle Cause you're pretty when I'm drunk 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 And I'm pretty fucking drunk Here she comes a funky fry cutie, Mr. Jimmy Papali is gonna get some booty Cause I'm Mr. McFeely with a speedy delivery You think I was a ditch away, this chick was digging me But maybe I should check and see if this is where I wanna be Hey Lupus, is she cute? Yeah, for her pygmy Oh, what do you know? You're probably going home alone And it wouldn't be the first time that I gave a dog a bone Plus beauty 
it's only skin deep It's in the eye of the beholder My beholder's about to tweak I could tap that barrel In fact, I know I can It's menage a trois You and me and Heineken Cause you're pretty when I'm drunk 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 And I'm pretty fucking drunk Regrets, I've had a few First and foremost, I'd like to mention you For the sake of conversation, we'll call you the brand new heavy You're a mix between an Ugnaught and Eugene Levy You can call it Big Bone, I prefer to call it Gut You're Buddha, you're Shamu, you're Jabba the fucking Hutt You had harpoon stars, and your boobs were hairy I smelled tuna melt, but I wasn't gonna worry It was 3am, and I wasn't getting squat So I rolled you up in flour, and aimed it for the wet spot Like a soup kitchen Christian Then it hit me Something bit me While my little rod was fishing I was deep sea fishing I took a fat chance But how was I supposed to know That Jabber Jones lived in your pants At that junction I came to realize That only Frank Purdue likes thighs That size Fatty fatty boomalatty I gotta lament That you were not a girl You, you were an experiment Cause you're pretty when I'm drunk. 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 And I'm pretty fucking drunk. You're pretty when I'm 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 drunk. And I'm pretty fucking drunk. Margaritas we buy, we can afford a child, honey. <laughs> and I'll go you one further. <laughs> and this is the one, folks. This is the idea. 
that has made me virtually an anonymous figure in America for the last 16 years. I have watched my crowds dwindle. I am going nowhere and nowhere quick. If you have children here tonight, and I assume some of you do, I am sorry to tell you this, they are not special. Oh, wait, 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 hold on. Let's don't have any... Wait, 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 don't, don't misunderstand me. I know a lot of y'all are... What? What? I don't... Wait, wait, let's be clear on this. I know you think they're special. <laughs> I'm aware of that. I'm just trying to tell you, they're not. Did you know that every time a guy comes, he comes 200 million sperm? Did you know that? 200 million sperm. And you mean to tell me you think your child is special? Because one out of 200 million sperm, that load. We're talking one load. Connected. Gee, what are the fucking odds? 200, you know what that means? I have wiped entire civilizations off of my chest. With a gray gym sock. That is special. Entire nations have flaked and crusted in the hair around my navel. Maybe even Gidea. That is special. And I want you to think about that, you two egg-carrying beans out there. With that holier-than-thou, we have the gift of life. I've tossed universes in my underpants while napping. <laughs> Boom! A Milky Way shoots into my jockey shorts. Oh! What's for fucking breakfast? And just so you know, we've lost a whole universe whilst this whole show has been on. Oh yeah. Coming up next, we've had a few requests. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, people have been making use of the new request page. Uh, the general consensus from all the listeners has been that it's uh, a lot better, a lot easier to use. And S4E has made three requests, two of which has been for some cunt called Wizardsleeve. I've got no clue why anyone requests someone like him. But they've requested Wizardsleeve with Eat This and Green Life. Then they've also requested... Uh, a Dagio for Strings, the Ferry Corson remix of the William Orbit track. You're currently listening to Nexus Radio with S4E making requests.
What am I gonna do today, man? Oh, give a bicycle. Yeah, is that some great ideas? What to do? <laughs> Safe, me too, man, me too. I'm so bored out of my mind, though. We gotta hook up. Wait, what happened to you yesterday, man? I thought you were coming round. Oh, uh, I didn't do nothing, man. In fact, you wanna know what I done yesterday? I'll wrap that shit to you right now. You know what? Open my eyes and what do I see? It's a big Jimmy Bifter staring back at me.
that's pretty much all I've done. Uh, I tell you what, though, I tell you what, let me just do that thing here and I'll give you a ring and then uh, link up, innit? Save blood later. Yeah, man, cool, cool. I'll, uh, yeah, catch you, uh, later, I guess,
you know what? This trance is making all of us far too emotional in the chat. We're all telling each other how much we love each other. So let's get a bit more hardcore again um, with uh, Aurelius's hate mail and storybook endings. Pitch shifters, better lie in Ramstein's Duhast. You're listening to Nexus Radio.
big fucking hat.
incest. Is it wrong? Is it wrong? Especially if you're a sexy female with giant tits that has an identical twin who just can't get enough of you. Is that wrong? Is that wrong? Other than the fact, you know, you know, I know there are people who have problems with lesbianism, but forget about the problems. Forget about your hang-ups about sexuality. If you are a sexy female who has an identical twin who's dead into her, that's not wrong. That's a way to make a million dollars by next Tuesday. Damn straight. Coming up next, we've got One Minute Science with 1845, System of a Down and the Wu-Tang Clan with Shane, and Filter with the best things. You're listening to Nexus Radio.
start gunning, coming, coming at ya. Press me when I get you once I got you, I got ya. You can never capture the inner man's stature. For I'm in for rapture, got niggas resigning, I'm master my style. In the back of a pickup truck with hockey pucks and skateboards on the way to Woodstock. Leave home the Glock. I have a gun the size of a black hole. Shoot planets. Don't get frantic. Throw your hands up in the air. Don't panic. Supreme arm, leg, leg, arm, head. Who take plan and tight and strong dress?
Alright, right now we've got the last three tracks of the night. Uh, these are requests from S4E there, Veracosha, Carp Blanche, Faithless with Insomnia, and DJ Kiwi's Netstat. You're listening to Nexus Radio. I'd just like to thank everybody who's listened in tonight and make sure you check out the Denison tomorrow from 10pm GMT, that's 5pm Eastern although there has been a time change and they're over in Canada so uh, it, it might be different, it might be 9pm for all I know the time change is absolutely bollocks as we discussed earlier on in the night just keep your eyes on nexusradio.co.uk to find out what's going on enjoy these tracks I hope you have a good one ladies and gentlemen catch you later
Attack, I get no sleep, 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 sleep. I can't get no sleep. track of the night I hope you've enjoyed the show I've enjoyed you remember we've got shows Saturday night from 10pm GMT Monday night from 9pm GMT Wednesday from 11pm GMT 
And Friday, next week from 8pm GMT, next week's show is all going to be about Psy, Trance, Euphoric Trance, uh, Acid Trance, uh, Electronic Music, all kinds like House, Drum and Bass, Breakbeat, and all the fusions of Metal and uh, electronic music too. Guitars in electronic music is the best thing that ever happened to both genres.